so just for a few minutes, we're going to look at, uh, we're going to continue in this book of Philippians. Boy, it's good stuff. I'm telling you, if you just, you just can't, we're just going to continue right down the road. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 12 through 18. Philippians 2, 12 through 18, and we're going to look at that topic, God's master plan for you. If you build a house, you probably, hopefully you did this. If not, it's probably pretty interesting to see how things turned out. You probably had a master set of blueprints somewhere when your house was built, whether it was you or someone else, and there was an exact design. And if you followed that, I was looking at the hospital. I was at the hospital earlier today, and I was looking at their brand new big old massive building, and its structure is looking really good inside. And you can see inside of it now and through the glass, and you can see that they've got it planned to where it works and connects to the old building. At least the, the structure looks like the old building. And I was thinking, boy, somebody had to have follow details, uh, had to follow details on those blueprints to make sure everything worked out perfectly. But if not, you can end up with some pretty uh, big mistakes and big problems. You, 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 can tell, you can tell if your house, if someone didn't follow that pretty easily, can't you? But God has a master plan for your life, and we're going to look at that tonight. If you've got that tonight, Philippians 2, 12 through 18, stand for just one more time here, Lord willing. And we're going to read these verses together. Well, I'll read them. You can read them with me. That's fine. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, he's talking to this church at Philippi, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We know we're there among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me." Let's pray as we look at God's master plan for you. Thank you, God, that you do, Lord, that we're not just uh, here by chance, that we're not just here, Lord, by accident. But, Lord, there is a divine a plan, a divine purpose in our lives. And, God, you're working every single day. Lord, even today in every single life that's in this place, you've been working. You've been moving. You've been uh, providing. You've been stirring. You've been leading. You've been burdening our hearts and lives. And, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see, God, that you have such a wondrous plan. And, God, that we can trust you through it all. Because, Lord, you have everything in your control. And you're a faithful and wondrous God. And we know that we can praise you because of what you're doing because it's such a good thing that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. God's master plan for you. God's master plan. When I was, uh, and again, I was telling you about the intricate uh, designs. Sometimes uh, I've, I've had a few houses I've rented and I don't know that they used the blueprint. 
because nothing seemed to be square. <laughs> nothing. You couldn't find a wall square. You can't find a corner square. And so you can see, and that's sometimes the way our lives are. If our lives, if we don't realize and we don't, and we kind of try to do it ourselves and we don't let God work out what he's trying to do in our lives, our lives can become kind of a mess sometimes. And it's all because we try to do it our way instead of understanding that God has a divine. And just like that Jeremiah 29, 11, I believe that I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I've got plans and I'm thinking about you. I'm working. Now that first verse there, if you, if you don't watch that first verse that I read, verse 12 can trouble you. In fact, it did me a little bit, okay? I've read it before and it troubled me because it's almost like you're supposed to, it's almost like you're working for your salvation because it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. But before we get to that little clause we're going to look at in a little detail, uh, he's talking to these people that he beloved. He loved them. He had a lot of confidence in this church at Philippi. And, and, and they were faithful. He's already told them these chapters before that you all been faithful and you've been good and you've been following. You've got a few little problems, but you've got a good heart and you've been faithful to me the whole time. I'm encouraged in you. And he's, and he's encouraging them again. He's saying, hey, you've always obeyed what I've told you, the, the word of God that I've laid out before you, and you've been following the word of God, and you've done it faithfully up till now. Now, I'm in prison. I'm not there. I can't be in your presence, and you've always done it. You need to continue it even more and more powerfully now when I'm not there. It'd be like if as long as you know, mom and dad's there, we're going to do what they say, but as soon as they walk out the door, it's not too good if we just kind of go our own way, right? We, it's saying that you need to obey. You need to do what you've been taught even, even when I'm not there. And even though uh, he's not there, the Lord's there, right? God's watching everything we do. But we, so he's encouraging them. Hey, you need to be more faithful to God now than ever. Hey, right now, when we're going through some of these trials, sometimes and some of these things that we don't understand how it's working out, we don't know what tomorrow holds sometimes. But listen, let me tell you something. We need to hang on to our faith more and more strong today than ever before because God knows what's going on and he's working something in our life and he wants us to trust him. That phrase there, work, it's, it's troubling. Some, we might, it's sometimes, you might just jump over. You ever get to a phrase in Scripture and you don't understand what it means and it just doesn't fit your theology perfectly and you just kind of want to just kind of, let's just forget those four words is in there. Work out yours out. Let's just forget, can't mean what it says there and let's just go on to something else. Well, that sometimes it's easy to do that and I've done that many, many times. Well, it just, I've read it before and I know God knows what he's saying. Well, it's not saying what it sounds like it's saying. It's not, because we know that Scripture tells us you don't earn your salvation. There is nothing you do to earn your salvation. It's all because of the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he did that you get salvation. It's when we accept. And the best part is we don't even, the fact that you accepted Jesus Christ wasn't because you did anything good. It wasn't because you were so smart. It was because God pursued you dealing with your heart to get you to accept the free gift for your sin. He was pursuing you at the same time he paid the price. He did the whole work. He did everything, and then he's the one that saved you, and now he's the one that keeps you. I mean, he's the one that does, he's the total package. He does it all in your spiritual life. So we, so we read that, and we say, now, wait a minute now. Is the, is the Apostle Paul conflicting with James? Is James saying, you can't work out your salvation, and Paul's sitting here saying, work out your salvation? That's not the case. That's not what he's saying. It's what he's actually just work at. So this is not saying uh, work for your salvation or work on your salvation. It's work out your salvation. Hey, when you, if, has anybody had a New Year's resolution that I feel like I need 
to do a little uh, uh, exercise. I need to do some exercise. So you start out on January 1, and you may go get a membership at Powerhouse Gym or whatever this new one is in London or something, and you start going, and you get there, and when you first pick up the weights, you think you can bench press 180 pounds, and you find out you can only bench press 60. And so you, you realize you got a lot of work. And then you keep working on it. And you hope nobody's looking because you don't, want, you, know, you don't want to see the women and the next thing over to you. They're bench pressing 120 and you're doing 60. So you're working on it and you're building. And then within a couple of weeks, you're 80. And then you're 100. And then you're 120. And you just keep on working it. And what's happening is that muscle is growing and you're building your, your muscle and that's what it's, ta it's talking about. Because of what God has done in your life, you need to exercise your spiritual muscle to increase it every single day. Don't lay down. Don't just kind of put everything in cruise. But let God challenge your heart to trust Him more, to, to press in even more so that you build spiritual strength. So that you don't uh, become the people that Paul says, I want to give you meat. I'm ready to give you meat, but you've not worked out your salvation. You're still in the baby stage, so I've got to give you milk. I can't give you sound doctrine. I can't give you what I want to do because you've not been spiritually exercising. And that's what it's talking about, working out your salvation. Let God give you spiritual strength because you trust Him even more. And so we need, and so if we don't, and when God says do something and He says, here's what's going to happen. The opposite always is true, too. So if you don't work out your salvation, then you get weaker and weaker and weaker. If, you sit, if you're sick for a period of time, you know what I'm talking about. You lay in the bed for just a week, and you've had the flu or something, and you get up after a week, you can't hardly take five steps without sitting down. Why? You've gotten weaker, and you've lost some of the uh, progress you had made before. And so he's telling us, don't get weaker Get stronger. Trust me more. Hey, give, give me an example of that. What are you talking about? Uh, we can look at Abraham's life. Sometimes, by the way, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we don't see what God's doing. And, and, and the main thing, if, you, if, I, if I don't get this point across, the main thing I want you to realize is there is things that God will put in your heart that he won't put in mine. There's things that God wants you to accomplish. There's little things that will, you will, you will see things that God, and you will say, oh man, and you can't quit thinking about this need. You can't quit thinking about this family. You quit, can't quit thinking about this, 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 the homeless shelter, or you can't quit thinking about people that's, you know, that's on drugs. You can't, whatever it is, God will put things in your heart, and he has got a plan to do things in you. It may not be today. He, God may put something in your heart and you won't see it fully realized today, but he will keep working and strengthening you and giving you more ability and your burden will get bigger and he'll start preparing you to accomplish something if you don't give up. If there's anybody that had to learn that, it was Abraham. God came to him. He called him out. He called him out of where he was comfortable. He called him out of his home. He called him out of his family. He called him and said, I want to do something great in your life. He put something in his heart. But it took Abraham trusting him for him to ever. Listen, Abraham never seen that promise when he was still in Ur. He never seen the promise of God. He just knew God put it in his heart. He just knew God was calling him out. He had to take that journey. And it took him 25 years to get that son that God had promised him. And he wanted and he made mistakes. He kept trying to work 
working out himself. But what did God do? He put something in his heart. He says, you keep trusting me. You keep following me. I'm going to come through for you. And God, did God come through for him? Absolutely. But it took him every day taking further steps away from where he used to be and walking toward the thing. He was looking for that, that land that, that the builder and maker was God. He was never satisfied here and he trusted God and God gave him that son. And it says in Hebrews, it talks about that in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 15 says, and so after he had patiently endured, he hadn't give up, he obtained the promise. He received, he finally received what God had for him. There's things that God will put in your heart. There's things that God will lead you toward. And you won't see it immediately. But as you trust God and you keep saying, God, I know that's what you've done to me. I know that's what you're putting in my heart. Every day, keep walking toward God. See, keep trusting God. God, you want, you're going to accomplish this. And God will come through. There will be a point when you say, I obtained the promise. I finally got It's like going to school. You go to school 12 years to get that. So, what was so sad this year is we all know some of the graduates and we want to recognize we have a couple of graduates in our congregation we want to recognize them here in a couple of weeks and we've got something coming so we're, we're going to work on that but uh but it's so i can't imagine going through 12 years or even four years of college or whatever and you can't even walk down the line how how horrible that is because you finally you cut you do all that work and you finally get to walk in front of everybody and receive your diploma and it's it's the it says you've earned it you finally received it you got the promise you had done the work we said we'd give you a diploma if you did it and here it is here's the answer and this is exactly the picture that happens here is that he endured he did what God asked he followed the path he did what and God gave him the promise that he promised that he would do because he was following him and it didn't end there because we see that even though God gave him the promise 14 years later God test him by asking him, hey, have you gotten more spiritual strength? Or did you give up when I gave you the promise? Do you still trust me? Do you still have confidence in me? And he asked him, will you give him back to me? Will you give Isaac back to me? And he did. And so God blessed him. And God is still blessing his descendants today. Why? Because someone had realized that God had a master plan. And they trusted him and walked in him. And today his descendants are still being blessed because of what God did in his life. That verse goes on and says, work out your fear. Strengthen that uh, relationship with God with fear and trembling. It's talking about an awe and a, a awe and respect. And, and such. A, the more you walk in the presence of God the more you realize that he how he loves you and he's working in your life the more you you know more even you know warning in dreams or or things that he that he saves something from happening to you or he gives you direction or something in your life the more you realize that God is actually involved in the little details of your life it ought to cause a humility inside of us to think that God is looking at me you mean God's working in me God's got a plan for me I'm nothing why does God care about me and this verse is saying hey grow stronger in him but keep yourself humble before God because of who is uh, working in your life because it goes on in verse 13 and it tells us about that who's the person working in your life it's not you you aren't the one that doing all these things in your life it tells us in verse 13 for it is God that worketh and this is a wondrous verse this is wondrous you got to get this for it is God that worketh in you what is he doing in it working in you to both to will and do his good pleasure 
So you're, what God is saying, and so this, this is, there's like three things tucked into this verse. It's, it's telling us right here, God's working in you. God has a wondrous master plan in you, every one of you, every single. It doesn't say any particular. It says you, you. you is anybody here not following that category? God's working in your life. You know what? Sometimes we just don't think he is. Sometimes we say, well, if he's working, I don't see him, but he's working. He has a plan. Sometimes we just kind of do our own thing and we're not paying attention. But God has an awesome plan that he's working in your life. And he, so, so you get this picture. So God is trying to work something wonderful in your life. God has a plan and he's worked before you're born. He had it. I want to bless them. I want to do good things. Just like that, Jer- I mean, that Jeremiah 29 11. Hey, I got a plan for you and I'm already thinking about you. I'm already working out every detail in your life. And so we, and so what he says, hey, I want to do good things. Do you want to do good things? for your kids don't you don't you get excited about when you can do good things for your kids and you want to see them smile and you want to see them excited because they're going to get to you know receive whatever this good thing is you're trying to do in their life and you want to bless them and you want their life to be blessed and so it's and that's the way God is with you he wants to work in every one of our lives and so he's trying to work but he doesn't just have a plan that's great if you have a plan and, it, and, and no, they never find out about it, and nothing ever happens in it. But he not only has a plan, but he goes on and says, he, he, he's, God is which worketh in you, he's got a plan in you, to, in you both to will our desires. He tries to place his desires within us so that we desire the good things he wants to do in our lives. He tries to, and the closer we get to Him, the more we want to serve Him and surrender to Him, the more His will becomes realized in our life. And when we really love God, we want to please God. And what's awesome about it, when we want to please God, He puts more. He's able to have more power in our life to put His desires in there because that's what really should please us. And the ultimate result of what He's trying to get you to do is to bless you, to do good things in your life, to use you, things like that. So God not only has an awesome plan, but God is putting his desires, his will in your life to draw you to desire to do those things. He wants to do it and he can't do it unless you surrender to him. So he gives you just like when you got saved. He wants to save you. It's a wondrous thing. But he gives you the, the conviction to draw you toward him. And then you, all you have to do is surrender that and then he does the work. He gives you the total thing. He does all the work. So he not only gives you the plan, he not only gives you the will to do it, but he gives you the desire. He gives you the ability to do it. It says that he worked with you both to will, to will to do it, and to do it. God will cause you, if you surrender to him and you're trusting in him, he will cause you to arrive at the destination that he wants to work in your life. And if you don't trust him, sometimes you think, now God can't be involved. Hey, let me tell you something. Look, look, at, look at the life of David. Just look at David's life. Now, David's brothers, David was the runt, okay? David was the young one. David was the one that when, when Samuel came and God said, go to Jesse's house and anoint the king who's after my heart. Go anoint the next king of Israel because you all have got who you wanted because tall Saul was so tall and, and, and handsome and looked like a king. And God said, you had your way. And he, wasn't any, he, and he didn't have a heart after me. In fact, he rebelled before he even got anointed. Now, let me show you who's after my. And so God had a plan. Now, he didn't tell Samuel who that was. And so we see that all through David's life, he is left out in the field. His brothers goes to work. David's in the field. 
uh, uh, they're anointing the king, and his dad don't even think about bringing David to the to the to the pick. You know, he's got his other, I guess, six, maybe six brothers there, and he, it's got to be one of them. They're all taller and bigger and older, and it has to be one of them. Let David stay out in the field. He, you know, it can't be him. And so we see that what, what's going on in David's life. So he could have been tore up that whole time, saying everything my brothers do. And, I'm, and I'm, you know, brothers do that, by the way. If you don't get to do something and your brothers or family gets to do it, you're grumbling. That's why it's not fair. I'm, you know, I was the oldest, so I didn't have to do that. But the uh, but I paved the way. <laughs> I paved the way. So, uh, but David, I see that. What's David doing during this time? I mean, I'm sure he, I'm sure David was rambunctious and got in trouble. He was just too strong of a guy. But we see that David was just out in the field doing what God, what he was asked to do. His dad told him to do it. He followed everything. What was God doing? Did God know what? Did God have a plan for him out there in that field? Absolutely. What was he doing? Looking at stars, and looking and thinking about how awesome God is, and. He was drawn closer to God and he was singing choruses of how wondrous God is. And when and he loved those sheep, he was learning to lead. He was learning how to be a great leader because he was in charge of all these sheep. And when the enemy came in against these sheep, he could have easily justified letting one or two of them get killed, save his life. My dad wouldn't want me to get. But we see that he grabbed that lion and he grabbed that bear and he slew him with his bare hands. And th this is the young David that they overlooked. But listen, here's the, here's the thing you need to realize. The, so that God was preparing David even in that field. When everybody else wasn't even thinking about David. You think that, hey, listen, if I'm down on the forefront, nobody even sees what I'm doing. Nobody sees me in that prayer closet. Nobody knows that I'm trying to do this stuff for these people. No, but God, nobody knows. But you, God, that's all who needs to know is God. Because the moment that God was ready to raise David up, he sent. And Samuel said, have you got any more sons? It's God's telling him. It's none of these right here. Uh, and he had, it's like, I mean, I mean, Dad, what's wrong with you? He had to think, oh, yeah, I've got one more. He's out in the field. I left David out in the field. Well, you got, you know, this is what I love. He said, you go get him, and we're not sitting down until he gets back. We're not even going to, you're not resting your legs. You go get him. The king of Israel is on here. You need to go get him. And when he came back, God said, that's the man. That's the man. So David had no idea. God was preparing him the entire time. Even out there in a the field, nobody even thinking about it. Your life, I don't, know, I don't know what that says to you, but there's times in your life you may think that what God's doing in your life is so unimportant. No, but God can't use this to do anything for Him. But whatever God is putting you through right now, whatever circumstance you're in, He's preparing you for what He wants you to do so we can trust Him. So He has a master plan. He gives you the desire to, to do that, His will. And then He gives you the strength and the ability to accomplish it. And so the best part is when that all happens, He blesses your life. His good thing happens, and then he blesses you even more. What a wonderful thing. I was thinking about how the, that, you know, that kind of that total package. It just, I was, when I was going through this, how God provides everything you need, and he encourages you and blesses you, and, and, then, uh, and, and then it's just it's like this endless cycle of goodness that God. Yeah, you're going to go through some trouble, but God, God says, hey, you, do what I, you follow what I want you to do. I'm going to bless you, and then I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to keep blessing you. I was thinking about when I was young, I remember... Mom and Dad probably remember this. Um, I was small enough that I was, uh, I don't think I got anybody too young here to worry about the tooth fairy. So I was, I was in Ohio, and I had a tooth come out. And, and I knew in, in, in Kentucky that I'd get a dollar under my pillow. I think a dollar might have been a quarter, but at least a dollar. No, it's a dollar. Okay, let's make sure it's a dollar. It might have been a quarter. Now. <laughs> it might have been a quarter. So, so whatever it was, I knew that we got, there was a tooth fairy year, and I, I kind of knew kind of what the going standard was. But I got up there in Ohio and had a tooth come out, and I was worried because I thought, well, well, that tooth fairy never find me <laughs> up here. And, uh, and, uh, and, I, and so 
I remember that, and honestly, I can't remember. I think I think I, I think I ended up with a dollar up there. I think I did pretty good up there. So I knew was, they must be in connection somehow. They got the word to each other. So I was pretty good with that. But I remember. I don't even know why I told that part. It's got nothing to do with it. But that next morning, I remember. I remember going. Uh, my uncle, and I didn't get to. I didn't get to see him a lot. My mom's sister, Rosalie, her husband's name was Alex. And I remember that they took us somewhere to eat up in Ohio. We went, went up and seen them. And uh, took them to eat. And, uh, or they took us to eat. And I was excited about that as a kid. We got to go to some restaurant. It was kind of, the, I remember it was kind of a, a rustic setting. And I was, it was kind of cool. And got to order on a menu. And it was kind of neat. You know, that was before every meal you eat at a restaurant or something. And uh, so, the, uh, so I remember one of the things that got my attention was there's video games in the back. You know, and it was kind of a new thing, and I was, boy, I was, it was making noise, and I was excited about that. And uh, my uncle said, uh, hey, James, would you like to play some of those games? Oh, yeah, I'd love to, but I ain't got any money. I ain't got any money. And he, well, I can take care of that. And he come back, and he started handing me quarters. He said, go back here and start playing those games. And so I went back there and started playing those games, and I was doing pretty good. And he's encouraging me, yeah, you're doing good, and all this stuff. And every time I got done with the game and used my quarters, came back, there was more dollars sitting there at my table. And I was like, what's that? And he said, oh, that's because you're doing so good. That's, that's like a reward. And then he would give me more quarters to go back and play more. And I was getting excited because I was, I was not only getting the game paid for, I was getting to play the game. And then when I got back, I got encouraged to get to, that I did so good, I got even more money and then more money to go play. I mean, it was like this endless cycle of, wow, that, this is awesome. Until, until somebody made him quit. Okay, I was getting, I was really coming out on top of this deal. Somebody over here made him quit doing it because it was getting to be ridiculous. It was, it was getting to be ridiculous. But what was going on? What was this? What was the whole thing behind that? I had someone who cared and wanted to show that they cared about me and they wanted to bless me and it was a way for me to have, it was just good all the way around. And all I had to do was participate. All I had to do was go through the motions and do what they told me to do. And I was having a great time in the process and I got blessed in it, right? How much more does God want to do that in your life? That he says, hey, listen, listen, you just trust me. You just follow the commands. Do what I tell you to do. Just do it, and I'm going to bless you in what you're doing. And when you come back to the table, you'll find out I've blessed you even more. And that every time you follow this cycle, God's going to bless you even more. And you're going to find out, wow, this is, this is almost too good to be true. That we can trust God. He works in our life. He's got a plan. He's given us the power to do it. He's given us the, the whole thing. And so you can trust him and you can put, I'll quit, I'll quit going through all that. But God has a wondrous plan. Verse 14 says, but do all things without murmurings and disputings. You know what? There is sometimes you may, you know, this can look, we can look at this from a couple different angles. One, sometimes you're going through life and you, and it seems like everything's going well. And then all of a sudden someone will pop up in your way and they will test you. There's things that you have to deal with sometimes and you don't understand it. And it's like all of a sudden you, you can get sidetracked from following and hearing God's voice because something pops up to try to discourage you, trying to trouble you. Let me give you an example of that. David. David was a man after God's own heart. And because of the... He did not deal with the sin, the sin of Absalom. It was his son. And he... He made some mistakes in this process, but his son Absalom rose up and wanted to kill David. And so now David's having to flee for his life, and he's taken 
his treasured, uh, you know, his, his treasured men and some of his family and with him, and they're trying to escape because Absalom's won the heart of a lot of the people, and they're trying to kill him. And now God's got his hand upon David. He's, get, he's confusing the counselors that's given wisdom to Absalom. And so he, you know, God, even though he's going through this horrible thing, God's hand's upon David. God's protecting David. But there comes this point. So David's already down. You ever had this happen? You get down, and then, somebody, and then the devil hits you again. You're already down. You're already struggling. You're already, okay, God, I can trust you. I'm going. And then out of, out of left field, something happens to try to, just to, to give you, to sidetrack you. You didn't see it coming. He's about to leave this, the, the country. And then all of a sudden, this man who was in the family of Saul, this Shimei, the son of Gera, comes. I, this blows my mind. If you think about who David was and these mighty men of David, these powerful, David's bad enough himself. Killed his tens of thousands. Here his mighty men are standing there guarding him and walking with him. This man comes out of his house and he's cursing the king. He's cursing David. He's calling him, you know, you, you know, bloody man and God's bringing judgment. He's given, he's, you know, and it's, this is the way the devil does. If you read that, it's the voice of the enemy trying to discourage David. God has ripped the kingdom out of your hands and he's given it to your son and you're being destroyed. And in fact, this man, this guy's cursing the king. That's a fearful thing. Can you imagine? And so what's going on? David's men is like, just please, please, please say the word. Just, just look at him. All you got to do is look at him. And I'll, I'll paraphrase it. I want to take his head off, David. How does this man think he could talk to you this way? And David, and, and, and so he's cursing him. Not only does he curse, he's throwing rocks. He's throwing rocks not only at David, but his mighty men. This man has a death wish. And, and, and so David, what is, how does David react? Man, it's a, this is a powerful lesson. And so David says, no, no, don't, you, don't say a word to him. Because he says, God's let him do that. God could have put that in his heart. And, when God put, and he even says, listen, don't, if God said for him to say that, why would you ever tell him not to? You let him say it. And he says, and even so, and even if that's the case, God may see what he's doing to me, and if I handle it correctly, God may have mercy on me. God may rescue me from what I'm going through if I just follow him. Same with Job and his friends. His friends just, just totally demolished him, and God asked him to pray for his friends. Well, Lord, they're the ones that just massacred me. And it was when he prayed for his friends, it says that God took him and delivered him. It was that act of just trusting God in the midst of the situation. So whatever you face, you need to realize that God's not forgotten you. God's not failed you. There's no reason to murmur. There's no, you know what murmuring and complaining really says? I don't trust him. I don't trust him. He don't know what he's doing. Yeah, he knew what he's doing yesterday when I got my stimulus check, but he didn't know today what he's doing whenever the car got hit or something crazy happened. God messed up and he locked, took his eye off the ball. He, I don't trust him. That's what, that's what we're saying. Now, listen, I wish I could sit here and say, the, hey, I've got this. I know how to. No, I, I fail in that area sometimes myself. But let me tell you something. But every single time you take a few more steps and you keep looking up, He'll show that he knew what he was doing the whole time. God knows what he's doing. Every detail of your life, even the biggest, darkest storms in my life, God has used for a purpose to show me I'm rounding you. I'm, I'm fixing you. I'm strengthening you. I'm preparing you. I need you to go through this because I've got a plan in your life. And so we can trust him. Even when you're facing trouble and it seems like it's more than you can bear, hang on. Hang on. 
Don't give up. Keep your trust in him. Don't complain. Say, God, you know what you're doing. You know exactly what you're doing. Verse 15 says, and I'm going to try to hurry, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Hey, you are a, you are a representative of God. You are an ambassador. Here it says that don't, when you're standing in front of people, you need to be blameless and harmless. You are a representative of God. Be without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. It's saying that this world is so twisted and different than you that when you stand straight for me, when you live right for me, you trust me, when they're going every direction but trust me, you will stand out with such a beacon, it's like a 100,000 watt LED bulb shining right in their face. They can't help but see you. That's the way God wants to use your life. When you contrast what the world looks like and you're saying, am I making a mistake? I'm going the opposite. No, the Lord says right here, you are standing in a generation that's looking for a light and you're it. But you've got to trust me. You've got to not give up. Don't try to be like them. Don't give up. There is no greater pulpit in your life than when you're going through the fire. There is no greater pulpit that you will ever have. The world is looking. And when we complain and we get negative and we give up and we're just like them, they're looking for the ones who don't give up. I've told you some of this before, but I'm telling you this was one of the most amazing examples to me of a preacher in Ames, Iowa. His name was Gary Pilcher. And, man, he just body slammed my life. Uh, I went one time to Neosho, Missouri, to Ozark Bible Institute. They have a convocation. Uh, the choir I was in went to sing. We sang on the way out and so forth. And so a big group of us went. My son was really small. I, was, I hadn't been married too many years. And so we went out there. And um, the first night, they, I never heard this preacher before. His name, again, was Gary Pilcher. Now, this man was very humble and broken. It didn't take very long in his message to find out that he had just a, maybe 10 months before, he had lost his 15-year-old son to cancer. And he had taken this church in Ames, Iowa, and he had been preaching right before his son had this diagnosis. He had preached a whole series on healing. And it was, and God, it was a, really a powerful a series that he did. And I was amazed. This is almost like Abishai who came and did this. Uh, the, so the first Sunday that they found out about their son, his son, they had to send him to the university hospital, which was a couple hours away. And so they, they had to, he had to, so his son was in the hospital. They diagnosed him with cancer. And so he was coming in that first weekend just by himself. He was wore out, very concerned, as you can imagine he would be. And he had notified the church, hey, let's, can we pray especially my son's got cancer? Well, they prayed at the end of the service. A man made his way to the front of the church. <laughs> I say his name was Abishai. And he says to Gary, he says, let, let me ask you something. He said, or let me tell you something. He says, you just mentioned that deal about your son having cancer? He said, yes, sir. He said, let's see, what, let's see how your preaching on healing goes now. See what you really believe. And I thought, oh, my Lord. And so those kind of things, and it was, that was the most horrible thing I've heard. So that killed me when he told me that. But then he spent the next 30 minutes going through all the processes and how 
he had to trust God. And, and, and he would go and he would just, it would deplete him being there with his son. He was so concerned. He was praying. And then on the weekend, he would have to try to come back, get enough strength, try to get his messages together for the weekend services and, and preach and trust God. And, keep, and this went on for months and months. And even though he had lost his son, he had a victorious testimony of what God did through that process in his family's life and God, how God helped him. Now, the church came back even stronger. Now, I don't, know, I don't know what the outcome of this guy was. But when his testimony, here's the point I'm trying to make. When you are in the spotlight and you're going through that, and I'm saying your life is a pulpit, greater and more brighter, when his testimony in that congregation of probably 1,000 people, it was the most incredible move of God Hit the Spirit of God moved. When I, I, it was one of the three times in my life that when I got to the altar, that my tie became a Kleenex, or a t and I just I ruined it. It was I was crying because I seen God's power more real in that man's life, and if he can trust God, what he just went through, how can I grumble or complain over some little thing I'm going through? God's faithful to him, he's, but he's more than faithful to me. And so his life was such a lot even to me. I can imagine what other sinners, how they seen him and his life. That's the way God is in your life. You say, well, that's great. Gary Pilcher's an awesome guy. Yes, he is. But God can do the same thing through your life. Whenever you're going through it, realize you can trust him. He's God. He knows what he's doing. He's working on you. And other people are looking more than ever before. So God's trying to work even through your pain, even through your trial, God's working. So we don't lie. We don't. We want the victory. We want those victory message. You, you're going to face a few things, but God's going to be faithful through them all. Verse 16 says, "Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain." He's saying, "Hang on. This is like this is. If you ever seen some of the movies and the coach, you got the coach giving the pep talk. We can do it. We're down. We're down 23 points, and we've only got three minutes to go." But I've got faith in you. And all of a sudden, they come back and miraculous things starts happening. They win by one point at the buzzer. And that's the way that, way that, what was the deal? That coach never gave up. And he's encouraging them. He's pushing them on. And that coach can say, I, you know, I've experienced, the, I've experienced this before. And you can do it. And I'm encouraged. And I'm proud of you. And you hang in. That's what he's doing here to the church. He's saying, you can do it. I know that I'm not labored. I didn't give all that effort in, in Philippi. I didn't spend all those years working in your life and because I see the fruit that God's got in your life. I know God's working in your life. You can do it. Keep moving forward. I, my life has not been in vain. You can do it. Keep running the, uh, running the race and be faithful. Neither did I run in vain. And you know what? Not only was he encouraging them, but he's trying to say, others are watching you too. You can do it. What's happening? How many people, you don't realize this. Listen, sometimes I find this stuff out, and you've got, the, there's people that you have no clue is watching you. You have no clue. And they'll tell you something and say, yeah, I, I just want you to know that, that really meant something to me. Or you said this, and you forgot you even said it. Or you got, said, remember when you went through that? And you know, people's watching. I know I did it, haven't you? Isn't there been people in your life that because they were faithful, because of their testimony, because of their faith, you just said, I, I can do it. Just like Gary, I can do it. I can move forward. Why? Because somebody else, you can see the faithfulness of God in somebody else's life. So God, and, and we want, and, and he's talking about, uh, that uh, he's, it's like he's encouraging them, he's proud of them. It's just like with your kids. You know, you accomplish things and you're proud of it, but when your kids or your grandkids accomplish it, you're, 
<laughs> you take credit for that too. That's my kid. That's my grandkid. Hey, they're just like me. <laughs> I just, woo, boy, they're good. They're doing great. Does everybody see that? That's mine. You know, that's mine. And you, you feel like, you know, yeah, I get credit for that too. You feel like, you feel as proud as if it was you. Why? Because you love them so much. And so that's the way he says, do it. You can do it. And there's others watching you, and, and he's proud of them. Verse 17 says, we're almost done. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice of service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. He's talking about, he's talking about getting ready to be offered. He, by the way, he knows that he's going to end up dying for his faith. I mean, he, he knows whether it may not be now. He knows it's going to happen. The Lord says, one scripture says, the Lord revealed to him all the things he must suffer. So he knows, he just doesn't know if he's going to get out right now, but he knows the end result is he's going to end up giving his life. In fact, one of them, you know, well, I won't go through all that because I've been too long. But we'll, what we see here, he says, even though I may, this may be the end for me, I am overflowing with joy because of what I see in your faith. When I see you move toward the things of God, I, man, I have joy that overflows. Why? Because you're, you are my children. You're the offspring of my relationship with God. I, this your fruit. You're my fruit. And, when, 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 and, and you, I've sold in you. And when you excel, I take joy in that because I see the efforts. All the suffering is not in vain because I see what God's doing in you. And I see that not only that, but others are watching you. It's going to keep going. You know what? Thank God that's the case because today you are the fruit of others before you. People that you've seen, your family, some of your friends, somebody that said some things to you. Someone influenced you to be a Christian. And that's all continuing and you are influencing others to trust God and be a Christian. It's a wondrous cycle that God continues even today to continue to build His church. Your life matters. The plan God's working matters because he's trying to work it out. And then finally in verse 18, he says, For this, for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Hey, we're in this together. I joy in what I see God doing in you. And praise God, you're having joy because you see that God's still working in me. They were able to see that God, when he gave them that word, and says, hey, everything that's happened has fallen out. To further the kingdom of God right here where I am. God knows what he's doing. And the people could rejoice and say, well, God is on the throne. He's working even in prison. God's working to do that. And so God's at work in the lives of people who completely trust him and will take the steps to continue trusting him. And just like as Joseph did, last thing, as Joseph did, just like David, he's in the prison. He's been following him. He's not given up. And he didn't realize that God, what God's ultimate plan was, but God had put him through this, this incredible training to prepare him for the day that a knock come on the prison gate and the door opened and the jailer opened and says, where's Joseph? He's back there tending to the inventory. And they said, get him here. The Pharaoh wants him. He wants him in the palace. What happened? God knew exactly where he was. He trained him and brought him. God do the same thing in your life. You can trust him. You can completely put your confidence. And when you do, joy will overflow. When you see that God, even in the worst times of your life, knew what he was doing, joy will overflow. There's nothing like that when you realize that suffering was not in vain. 
It was for a purpose. God knows what he's doing. So he's at work in your life. Can you see it? Do you feel it? Do you trust him? Amen. I hope you do. I hope you do. So tonight we can be encouraged in the fact that God has a master plan for you. Those blueprints are rolled out, and he's working out those details. He's about to finish the course with you, and he's going to work. He's faithful, isn't he? Amen. Let's, let's, uh, let's just bow our heads, and let's ask. I'm going uh, to ask. I'm going to pray. But I want you as I pray, would you say, God, well, you know, Lord, I want you to work out those plans in my life. I surrender. I want you to have full control in my life. And I want you to fulfill those things. And then your joy overflows me. Let's surrender ourselves and say, God, help me to follow your exact plan and desire to do what you want to do. And God will do it. Let's pray. God, we come before you thanking you, Lord, that everything works together for good to them that love you and are called according to your purpose. And God, that you have a master plan. You're working in every single life. And almighty God, we have to listen to you. We have to surrender to you. We need to trust you. We need to follow you. And mighty God, so that you will work out those things. You give us your will. You give us your desire. Almighty God, I pray, Lord, that someone tonight that might be discouraged, someone tonight that might be saying, God, I don't think you could be working in my situation. Lord, my heart's troubled. I'm almost about to give up. I don't know what's going on. Lord, let them see that, Lord, you have it under control. God, you're working in the lives of those people people who trust you. God, we do. We put our confidence in you. And God, we thank you that, Lord, you're working and you're going to move and you're going to bless and that others will even see the light through these lives. Almighty God. Lord, I pray that testimony after testimony erupt because of your faithful hand, God. Because you can be trusted. You always have been able to be. Almighty God, Lord, that through adversity, you're even working there. And God, you will bring victory in each life that trusts you. We thank you for that. We trust you and praise you, Almighty God. Hallelujah. You're a good God. Let's just praise him one more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your word is true. Your word is true, God. Your word is true. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your mighty power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tonight we're going we're gonna to pray over some needs. Uh, let's, let's continue. I, uh, Gail was doing a little bit better. and I'm not hurt anymore. But let's, let's pray right now for Gail. Right now that God would continue working. God, touch Gail right now. Strengthen her. And God, that you would completely, completely remove all infection. And God, that she would have no more breathing problems. And God, that you would live, totally bring her out. And God, we'd be able to see her right here giving you testimony of your mighty, faithful hand almighty god hallelujah and then little uh i think reese uh is that her grandson okay so we was supposed to have maybe today have this ultrasound let's pray right now that god would do a work and they would be good results and this is lord touch reese god right now lord that this result would be good and god it would be great news and that your name would be glorified that everything would be opened up almighty god there would be complete healing in this baby almighty god because you love them lord and you're a good god and faithful and we trust you in the name of jesus christ hallelujah 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 hallelujah
Uh, tonight we're going to continue remembering Marlene. We're going to pray that God deliver Marlene and completely bring her out of this situation and heal her. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. God, we know you're the answer. God, you've already suffered for her healing. And God, we pray that there would be strength and healing and the miraculous work of your mighty power would happen in her life. That God, we would receive testimony of your faithful hand. We bind together and thank you, Lord, that you have it under control in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah this this morning about 3 30 in the morning I got a call from my brother-in-law Lee and I went and checked on him he's having some trouble and he, I took him to the ER and he's having uh, he's got uh, AFib he didn't know he had this before he's got some um, he's got some gallbladder issues and some other things but they also found some uh, nodules on his lungs and so they're going to do further testing on that and he's at St. Joe right now admitted and so uh, he he believes in God, and he's and he's and he puts his trust in God. And so tonight he he wanted us to pray, and I told him we was gonna have special prayer that God would work in Lee's life and turn that situation around. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God. We know that you're on the throne. We know that you're a mighty miracle-working God. And Almighty God, you know everything, Lord. And God, I pray that you would turn this situation around, that God, you would give him good reports. And God, that Lord, they would even, God, they would do more tests, and they wouldn't even be able to find those nodules on his uh, lungs, God. That this gallbladder situation resolve itself. This heart condition resolve itself. Almighty God, complete deliverance. Almighty God, that you would receive glory and he would feel your presence right there in that room tonight. You're a healing God and we thank you for it. We bind together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, this We're going to pray. My son Jordan is still going through a situation. He needs God to intervene in. It's an unspoken request, but let's just pray that God do a miracle in Jordan's life. Oh, Lord, you see this need, God, and we're trusting you. Almighty, you're the answer, Lord. You're the answer to every one of these situations. And God, we give you glory and praise right now because you carry us through everything. You're the one who does a mighty work. And God, we're trusting you to deliver and God to do a mighty work right now, Lord, that you alone will receive glory. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Megan Chapel, we're going to still pray for Megan. I think she still needs quite a miracle in her life. And so let's remember that need in Megan's life that God deliver her right now and she feels His presence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Megan, right now, Lord, that you would let her feel you right there in that room. God, that you would deliver. That God, you would do such a miraculous work. God, that there would be such a transformation. Lord, that it would point to only one thing, that God in heaven has heard the prayers of His people and God, He's turning it and He's changing it and He's delivering. And we thank you for your mighty power in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Some of you all know Del, Del Campbell, and the Lord healed Del Campbell of, of, of leukemia a few years ago. And, but he's having a problem right now with his hemoglobin levels, and he's really weak. And so he's back in Lexington in the hospital, and they're, and they're, saying, that they're, they're saying that the leukemia is still okay. Uh, but the word I got today, but he needs deliverance. And I know he used, he's preached here before. 
And so let's remember he pastors in London. Let's remember Dale Campbell that he gets strength and healing right now. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And God, you've already healed Dale. Lord, you've already done the work. And God, the enemy wants to discourage. And God, we know that you're right there in that situation, right there in that room. And God, that you would speak healing to his body. Lord, you would raise him up. Almighty God, that he would be delivered. His hemoglobin and all levels would be back to normal. Strength would fill his body. And Lord, Pentecost Sunday, he'd be right there in that sanctuary, worshiping you and praising you because of your mighty power. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tonight we continue. I, I, I know I've got, I've got a few more tonight, but you know what? That's, I, I want to have special emphasis on prayer on Wednesday nights. We have a little more time. But uh, my brother, I was talking to him. He's got he's got a spot on his lung, and they need to. And he's having a little bit of breathing issues. He's doing a little better right now, but uh, he's got to have some more tests. And so we need to pray that God uh, give him a good report. God give him a good report, and he's he's got he's he's doing you know uh, doing good. His, his spirit and so forth. But we the Lord already helped him once, and He's going to help him again, right? He's going to deliver this situation. And let's pray for Carl Wayne. Lord, we come before you. We know, God, that you're the answer. Lord, you've been faithful. You gave him a good report a few year, a couple of years ago, Lord. You're going to do it again, Lord. You're going to turn this situation. I pray, Lord, that this spot be gone. There'd be no more problems. This breathing issue be reversed. Mighty God, no more medication, no more anything, Lord. And that, Lord, you would touch him. And even Heidi, God, is wife, Lord, you would touch her back. Almighty God, and deliver her. No more pain. No more treatments, no more surgeries. God, that you would deliver by your mighty power. We thank you for what you're doing right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Darren Mattis. How's he, this is Sharon Bush's son in law. He had a heart attack. Is he still in need? How's he doing? He's back to work. Okay, well, thank the Lord. Well, let's just thank the Lord for that. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you've done such a mighty work in his life. God, you would continue working even in his spiritual needs. And God, that you get the glory because we know you're on the throne. Thank you, mighty God, for your faithful hand. Amen. And we got also, we've been praying for Ronnie Asher, who's had a stroke. And this is Tracy Hubbard's brother. And so let's pray that God completely deliver Ronnie. Still in the hospital. Okay. Amen. Amen. Well, let's just pray the Lord deliver him. Lord, right now, touch him, God. Lord, that they wouldn't have to teach him anymore, but God, he would come out of there with, Lord, a spring in his step, and God, he'd be running around that hospital because you've touched him. Lord, we pray that you would touch him with your healing power, and God, that he'd know that it's you. He'd know that it's you, and we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Other needs tonight. What do you got that you want to pray for? Special needs that we can all call out on God for. Anything else that I haven't brought up? Okay. Okay. How many here has got family that the Lord needs to work on? Amen. Amen. How many believe it? Hey, we, can, we pray and we think, well, we keep praying and maybe. No, God's working. Man, God's working. And, and sometimes it gets, gets worse before it even gets better. They get miserable right before. So let's just pray God stir and God work and God do something. Let's pray right now for every one of these family members. Lord, you see our families. God, you love us. And God, just like you love us, you love our families, God. You love them just as much. And Lord, I pray that you would work. That God, 
your holy conviction power would get a hold of lies. God, they wouldn't even see where it came from. Lord, out of the blue. Lord, they wouldn't be able to rest. God, tears would fill their eyes. They wouldn't be able to sleep at night for thinking about their soul. Mighty God, they'd start calling, Lord, us in this church and saying, what do I need to do? I'm having trouble. I can't sleep. What do I need to do? And they'd start realizing that it's you stirring their hearts. God, give us victory in these lost lives. God, stir hearts. Do a mighty work. Do the impossible, Lord. Do what looks impossible, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody else tonight? Any other need? Yes, I'm glad you said that. Uh, Mary, which, which used to be friends of mom and dad and our son. I used to be friends with him. Uh, Mary, and she's about 80 or in her early 80s, I guess. She's been really active her whole life, and she, but she fell this week and broke her hip. And so that's, it gets pretty tough when you get in your 80s. Uh, tough in your 70s, much <laughs> So let's, uh, let's pray. Yes. Yes, she took, yes, she did, sure does. Well, so we're going to pray for Mary Wiggins, Lord. Lord, you see Mary, and God, we know that, Lord, she believes in you and trusts in you. Almighty God, she'd like nothing better than to shout around the church. And God, I pray right now that, Lord, you'd let her feel your healing power that would flow through this body. You'd mend this bone. You would do a miracle in her body that you would receive glory and honor and praise because you're still a miracle worker. You're still a healer, God. We still believe in you, God, that you're a mighty miracle working God, Lord. And God, I pray you speak healing to Mary. Let her feel your strength right now. In Jesus' name, God, quick recovery immediately. In Jesus' name, amen. In, amen. Anybody else? Anybody else tonight? Don't want to miss it. Don't take it home with you. Anybody else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's Dolores Slusher. Okay. Let's remember that the Lord just delivered her. Lord, you see Dolores. And God, Lord, we know that even arthritis submits to your name. God, we pray that every joint would be made new. God, every bit of this infection or this swelling would be gone. No more pain. And God, that she would be a living testimony of your mighty faithful hand. Set her free. Set her free. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. You're a healer, God. You're a healer. We believe you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You are perfect, God, every time. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Amen. We miss our church family, don't we? Amen. Amen. We're going to pray, God. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably, I don't know if it's still, it's probably still on. So let's, let's, yeah, yes, yes, yes. All right, let's, let's ask the Lord to strengthen, encourage, and give to all those that aren't able to be here. Lord, we see those that's not able to be here, Lord. And God, we pray that God, you would touch them and strengthen them and encourage them. Lord, let them feel your presence. Come, Lord, and do a work. Oh, Lord, in a mighty way that they would know you're on the throne, that you've got everything under control, and you're right there even where they are. Lord, you're a mighty God. Lord, we need strength. We need help. Almighty God, and you're what we need, Lord. We trust you. Encourage and bless right now, Lord, in a mighty way. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you've been so faithful. 
You've been so faithful, Lord. You've been so faithful that not one, Lord, of this church, God, has ever been sick with this, God. You're a faithful God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Anybody else this morning or this evening? All right. Yes. Yes. Complete. Complete. Hallelujah. Let's pray for Terry. God, you see this situation with Terry. And God, we know that God, he keeps going through this over and over. God, I pray that right now you would touch him. And God, the Holy Spirit would just flow through his body from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. That he would feel a complete healing virtue and the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. God, that would touch him in such a way. God, that he had come running in, Lord, giving testimony to your mighty, faithful hands. You deliver, Lord. Rebuke everything that he's facing, every situation, every injury, every illness, God. You do the work right now. And when you do it, it's perfect every time. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Covering a lot of ground tonight. Amen. Anybody else? All right, let's remember Pentecost Sunday this, this Sunday that the Lord just sweep through. Wouldn't you like to have another upper room right here on Sunday? Lord just sweep right through here with His presence. And man, we... Yeah. They were in that upper chamber. They were all in one accord. When the Holy Ghost descended... As was promised by our Lord. Oh, Lord, send the power. Everybody stand up. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. And baptize it. Let's do that course one more time. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just, yes, oh, Lord, send the power just now, and baptize everyone. Oh, let's just thank Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank You for what You're doing. We thank You for Your mighty presence. We thank You for Your mighty power. Lord, blow again. Feel us overflowing again with your Holy Spirit and power that you would receive glory, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Find us hungry for, Lord, your Spirit and presence, almighty God. Hallelujah. Amen.